Hey pumpkins, it's Nick. The following episode of Copulators Die First contains spoilers about the film we are discussing this week. And if you haven't seen the film, go ahead and give it a watch. Don't worry, we'll be right here waiting for you when you're ready. Yeah, and as always, don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe on your favorite listening application. Now, on to this week's episode. Hello everybody and welcome back to another week at Copulators Die First. Hi, Nicholas. Hello, Ashley. And with us this week, we have the reigning champion of guest spots, Tori Ooh, from Toil and Trouble. Hi. Yeah, you're uh, on the I leaderboard. Like, I like winning something. That's nice. We have no prizes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, story of my life right there. <laughs> we have no prizes. <laughs> just recognition. I'm really good at winning things that don't matter. Like, oh, like yeah. trivia? Not even like trivia. Trivia is cool because you get to like hold that over to somebody. But if it's like, hey... Who can get the most files filed at work? Me. It's right. not me. It's not it's, me. Yeah. I suck at everything. I don't think that's factual because you came prepared with research and an information compared to how Nick and I run this uh, shit show every week. Oh, yeah. Sure. I got a ton, a ton of stuff for you guys this week, which is going to be really cool because this, this is one of my like favorite-ish movies for spooky season. Mm-hmm. I see. I agree. Yeah, no. um, Well, okay, wait. So we need to step back a moment. So we all know summer camp is over. So it is now September. And it's back to, I guess, normal stuff. Ish, kind of. of. There's no real theme, I don't think. Yeah, no. I mean, so so we're starting this new series. um, And what is it called, Ashley? We are going to call this bad boy Fact versus film oh yeah i love it i love oh, it that's I'm cool very, i'm super excited um because this stuff is like super interesting if you actually take the time to you know do your homework um it, that's why we have Tori. <laughs> so do, i mean i did homework this morning after watching the after watching after watching yeah i don't know what that is a combination of but i just made a new combo word um Anyway, I watched The Conjuring this morning, and then my version of research was going on YouTube and looking for videos of, like, The Conjuring, what really happened, um, etc. And there was actually only, like, one video, um, but I did Google, and when I Googled, um, I did find more information, but probably not as much as somebody who actually, like, researched this, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, like, obviously, Copulators Die First is a horror movie podcast, but Ashley and I, growing up in New Jersey, like any other spoopy place, really love the macabre and true crime and the paranormal and ghost stories. So we've decided to make this series about movies that are, quote, based on actual events and comparing the movies and how, you know, Hollywood conflates things hollywood conflatuation if you will it sounds like a gross fart it does sound like a gross (laughs) fart it sounds like a movie fart conflatuation it's like something a doctor would write in his nose like patient had major case of conflatuation i mean (laughs) i mean that i could see that happening with a doctor to be honest like (laughs) oh my god i have a paper cut but i'm dying that's conflatuation (laughs) it's perfect Um, i like it 
Yeah. And then so and then being like, oh, so this is what the movie said happened. But what actually happened? Because typically there's, you know, at least some differences because of Hollywood and the Hollywood machine. So that is what we are doing. And today our movie is what? Tori. I think. The Conjuring. Yay. Yeah, we kind of said it already, but that was the major <laughs> announcement. The Conjuring. Yeah. And, and, and I think this was like kind of your pick because we, we laid the cards out <sighs> in front of you and we're like, you already did an ass load of research on the Warrens mm-hmm. per per episode eight of your podcast. Yes, ma'am. Oh, what was the, so I was like, what what one would you even want to do? Because yeah, we did a whole series. We called it Legit or Full of Shit um, on the Warrens. And they are very, I mean, it's hard to really categorize the Warrens because it is hard to determine are they legit or are they full of shit? Because there's tons of evidence that gives credence to both sides of that ar- argument. So, I mean, I really like the Conjuring story because a lot of it is backed up by the Perone family. But. There's some, you know, creative licenses taken by the Warrens when they were writing about this. And even more creative mm. licenses taken by James Wan when he made this film. So yeah. I know for a fact that they put this to the MPAA, like every film has to go before the MPAA to get a rating before it's released in theaters. And they gave it a hard R. And this for this film to get a hard R, they considered filing an appeal to get a PG-13, mm-hmm. which is more watchable for young audiences, because you can't get into an R-rated movie unless you're 17 or older. So um, they did not actually file an appeal for that uh, PG-13, because for them to have done that, they would have had to edit it down, because the hard R comes just from the scare factor. There is very little profanity there is no nudity and there is very little blood and gore so yeah this is a hard r for scares only yeah this movie would have sucked if it was pg-13 i agree ah uh, yeah you know what it would have you need that scare factor yeah and that's what i like about the con like i am actually a very large um fan of the conjuring series like this whole universe that is now being created with annabelle i mean the nun wasn't great but it was still <laughs> that's <okay>. fair. That's <laughs> fair, yeah. As we discussed prior to recording, Nicholas, I feel like every director needs a dud. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, if the nun was the dud, well, like it still wasn't horrible. It was just kind of like a letdown because they built up the nun of being this like really super duper powerful demonic force, and right. then her her movie was like meh, whatever. But I thought the nun herself looked like looked scary. Well, yeah, I think and the, right look. Right, and 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 I think one like the two things that I love the most about the Conjuring, like number one, actually the three things, because number one is like the way that they set up, especially like the main Conjuring installments, like one and two, mm-hmm. um, because it's very it comes very much from a place where my mind is satisfied from every angle because as a scientist I like want to pick something apart and like the well I mean the Warrens in real life did 
a lot of what happens in the movies, but like, just like they show in the movies, like them going to a few houses and they're like, Nope, it's just your pipes. Like, so they're like proving from the Hollywood standpoint that the Warrens are, you know, doing their due diligence. Um, And then like the second thing is that all of these are not set in the present. They're set in the time that they actually happened. Mm -hmm. And the attention to detail um, is just amazing. Like the, what was the last one? The Annabelle homecoming or whatever. Annabelle comes home. Yeah, one. I don't. I know it's one of those two, but I thoroughly enjoyed it actually. Yeah, well, like the set design and the costume design in all of these movies is just like, I want to live in it. It is like 60s, 70s perfection. The Warren's house is just like, I want it. Give it to me. Thank uh, you very much. Give me that split level mid century style home right yeah. now. <laughs> I could do with a, I could do without their chickens though. I don't need their chickens. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, no, I don't like chickens. I, they're beady fucking eyes. Nope. Yeah. And I mean, like, eggs are great, but like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want uh, a natural alarm. Like, I want to wake up when I want to, or my phone can wake me up. Um, I, I think say tenders that are, I think chicken tenders are great, but that's, <laughs> that's basically my affection for chickens. Tenders mm. are great. And, so, uh, I forget what my third point was now, though. What was my third point? Oh, and then, like, the way that they, like, they're designed for the baddies, like, all of the demons and the shits. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's very, like, I know that it's not, but it feels like it's somewhat grounded in reality, like, oh, this is gross, but it's not, like, too gross. Probably because the possession takes place over real people. Yeah, and it, like, happens over time. It's not like, demon has all of their energy at once, and now this person has horns and is black and uh, is, like, emanating red around them and, like, is floating in the air and shit. Well, I mean, so, that happens. But. Okay, let's back up for a second, because I'm trying to remember. So, Conjuring 1, the one that we're doing today, this is about the Perones, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Conjuring 2, that was the Enfield Poltergeist? Yeah, that yes. was... Yeah, the, the case in, in, in London or England. Okay. I, I was, was trying to get them straight in my mind because sometimes I get them confused. Now, I do know that they're making a third Conjuring film that's coming out next year, like September, like 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what that one's going to be about yet. Yeah. Oh. Okay, and like, so like I read the book that all these cases are based on, so it could be any number of things. What's the book? I need to read oh, the book. Shit. What is the book? I can actually... I'll have to text Danielle and Diana for it because I lent them my copy. Um, it's called The Demonologist, which Tori Jesus. you probably know about. Yeah, yeah, I believe that was written by Ed Warren. Um, okay. It was written by some dude. Uh, 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 now, uh, Ed Warren claims that he was a self-taught demonologist, which I always <laughs> thought that that was really interesting. But Ed Warren was a... I said it in our podcast, but Ed Warren was a big fan of Ed Warren, and he sure did like to talk a lot about himself. Mm-hmm. Ed Warren will tell you that he would go to the library and he read books and read books and read books till the point that he believes he became an expert in demonology. So I don't really know how that works because I kind of thought that had to be like a priest or somebody. Yeah, like don't you like you need like a degree. 
and you know a demon college (laughs) yeah um the book is called the demonologist by gerald brittle um i have an original i have the original copy but you can listen to it for free on audible but this is non-spawned so i'm not gonna plug it (laughs) don't do anything if you're not getting paid it's also on amazon it's on amazon for 13 dollars. so yeah um i think it's because of it being uh like season of the warrens basically because when i tried to find this a couple years ago because my copy is falling apart Mm -hmm. uh it was like out of print so i'm glad i'm glad that's back in print now i am going to probably purchase it later anyhow they talk about annabelle they talk about um they talk about amityville a scotch yeah about the perone family a scotch and like each chapter is like a little tidbit of uh what the Warrens have accomplished, mm-hmm. but again, mostly Ed being Ed and promoting himself faux free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, like, I know that about, like, I know not too much about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like, I purposefully didn't look too much up about their personal life because I knew we would be discussing it today, but like, Ooh. them, them as like what they have done, I know a pretty good deal about them. Um, and, uh, I think this is also a really good movie to start out the fact versus film series with because in The Conjuring, because it was the first in like what is now a franchise, they touched on a lot of other things, but made it Hollywood. Like they touched on Annabelle, they hinted at Amityville. Um, Yes. So let's just. Let's dive into it, shall we? Let's just rip this baby open. Uh, metaphors Metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) metaphors awesome metaphors all right so where do you want to start do you want to talk about the film first do you want to talk about tori's amazing research that i know she spent a lot of time on well why don't we talk about the film first because then we can compare and contrast to the research sounds great and that's the part that i'm super excited about so let's do it so this (laughs) film was actually shot in chronological order that is not common, so that's cool. Yeah, so it was almost like, I don't want to say it was shot in one go, but there was very little cut and paste, and if you catch my catch my mm-hmm. drift here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Perone family buys this home. I believe it's in Connecticut, but the real home is actually in New Hampshire. Uh, I think actually, they say it's, it's Rhode um, Island. It's Harrisville, oh. Rhode Island. See, there we go. Rhode Island. Yeah. I just can't Rhode read. <laughs> So, Rhode Island, so they move, they, you know, they're starting over, buy this home, do the typical thing where they put all their eggs in one basket, turns out this basket's pretty haunted. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very haunted basket, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so they, and like, so, so, so it's um, Carolyn and Roger Perone. Also, like, some people pronounce her last name Perrin. Like, to me, I saw it and it looks like Perone, like Ava Perone. Yeah, that's how I read it. That's how I read it, So, we're just going to say Perone. It's fine. Um, And they're five daughters. And I like. Honestly, like, okay, let's think about this logically. Five girls, one house. Of course, that shit's haunted. Yeah, but I was just like, I love how it's like five daughters. Like, that's already a, that's like, so that's many. such a handful. Like, honestly, my vagina is not a clown car. People no. are going to keep, they're just not going to keep crawling out of there. Yeah. One to two kids, I think, max for me. I could never do five. My mom did five. I have oh. three brothers. I have two brothers and two sisters and then me. So 
Wow. Your poor mom. Was your house haunted? So my parents did a really interesting though. Like they had me and my two brothers and then they waited like 17 years and they're like, Hey, we have almost all the kids out of the house. Let's screw ourselves and have two more. So that's too many, way too many. (laughs) Nick has a younger sister. I have an older half brother and I have two younger siblings and I, I couldn't imagine. I shared a room with another teenage girl. Like that's, that's what being haunted is. (laughs) So they move into this haunted casa. Mm-hmm. And it's like so a spacious, gorgeous, turn of the century, like farmhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just this. I think it's supposed to be like, uh, well, they don't actually say how big it is in the movie, but it's supposed to be like a 12 room farmhouse. Like that's Which how big the actual house is. fucking gigantic. Mm-hmm. And yet they were still sharing like bedrooms. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. The two, the two like middle girls were sharing the bedroom. Um, they probably made yeah. the one sleep in the closet. I mean, <laughs> well, I think it seems like the younger girl actually had her own room. I'd be pissed. But then, Me like too. the the older girl had her own room too. And then I don't think we ever figured out where the where the fifth one slept. Maybe the two youngest, and then the two middle, and then the oldest had their own room. But these Who are knows? details. These are details that we don't need to dive into. But Ooh, details. Mm-hmm. So they move into this spacious country home. Mm-hmm. And there's a creepy ass tree in the yard, and the youngest one is like already finding objects in the house that sh- d- don't touch stuff. Just well, yeah, don't. she's like, she's like, look what I found, and she's like sitting by the tree, like, and also like they didn't have her help with moving in at all, which is just like I get it, but like maybe at least know where your child is because you just exactly. moved in. Yeah, you don't know the neighborhood. Um, yeah. Um, you don't know the neighborhood and like i don't know about you but like i moved in like the last year or so and like my like my apartment did not get unpacked in a day so that was very impressive because they like unpacked in like (laughs) a day yeah i literally just moved yesterday and i had to leave the house i was so stressed out there are boxes everywhere like no, it just doesn't happen. Maybe maybe all the extra hands helps. Who knows? But I was um, about to say maybe if you have four able-bodied children that can help you, you'd get shit done a lot faster. Yeah. But um, <laughs> also, it was the '70s, so there were no cell phones, and nobody had a fucking choice. Wow, that that's true. very true. Yeah, that is very true. And there was no yeah. internet, so it's not like they were like hooked up to the Wi-Fi as soon as they got home. You yeah, know? they didn't have the have to worry about like getting Verizon there or whoever to. No, it's simpler times. Simpler, simpler times. times. Yeah, so maybe then maybe that's what it was. But so they seem to be very happy. They're like settling in. Um, Carol and the mom is like super excited. It seems like she needed a change, and she's just like super duper thankful to her husband Roger for figuring this out and he's a trucker he's taking on extra work if he can but it also seems like he's not getting as many shifts as he used to so like hashtag money problems equals stress like everybody else in the world but um you know the movie is just setting them up to be like the family that just needs a break like oh my god you know yeah Uh, and i'm sure and in these movies, it's always like this amazing house is such a blessing. Why is it so cheap? And right. I feel like if that happens in real life, you guys, that's a red flag. Like obviously, oh, somebody yeah, no. died there or it's haunted AF. Like, yeah. do not buy the twelve-room beautiful farmhouse that's like thirty thousand dollars cheaper than what it needs to be. Like, it is 
completely haunted. Right. And like, I feel like at this point, like everybody probably knows that, but it was the seventies and they're like, this movie hadn't been made yet for them to learn their lesson. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. So, um, and then the, the, and then there's the family dog who won't go in the house and that's another red flag. Right. Cause like, Always trust the dog. Always trust the animals. If the animals are like, I'm not going in there, I'm not fucking with this shit, you shouldn't fuck with it either. Um, quick note before we get too off track and I lose my note. The state of Rhode Island does not require home sellers to disclose documented histories of murders or deaths. Mm-mm. So that's why they were able to buy it so cheap because they yeah. are not legally uh, supposed to do that. And they also bought it straight from the bank. So they were just kind of like, what? Large house? We have children. Um, okay, go for it. Cool. Uh, I have $27. Let's yeah. make this work. <laughs> but speaking speaking of like not telling potential buyers about the history of a house, have you have you heard the most recent update about that house in Westfield, New Jersey, Ashley? The, the Watcher. I the sure watcher. have. Oh, yes. that's story oh my god oh so that story takes place literally five minutes from where nick and i grew up nick and i shut the front door shut the front door is right my mom still lives there Mm -hmm. so and nick's mom lives so really close to that area too like literally on the opposite side so it is still actively happening do they sell the house so the original owners, well, not the original owners, the people who the new bought owners. It, the yeah. new owners that started getting the letters finally sold it to somebody. Um, was, it, was it Netflix or Zach Bagans? <laughs> Leave no. my ghost daddy alone. <laughs> Never. Daddy. I would um, bring him up in casual conversation because he buys haunted stuff on purpose. Well, I th- so so from from what I gather, they sold the house at a loss because they just didn't want it anymore. Uh, well, um, yeah. <laughs> and then and then the owners that were getting the letters from the watcher were for like a hot second trying to sue the original owners for not disclosing that the this was happening. Right. However, it wasn't happening when they were living there. They got one letter right before they moved out. And like, I don't know about you, but just like they said, like if I got a rando letter that like, wasn't like very, like it was super duper innocuous. Like it wasn't like these letters that got more and more specific about like, I'm watching you and all the things like, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. Like I probably would have at least asked my real estate agent, but like, like they can't sue for that. So no, they did, they did sell it. Field. Yeah, they did sell the house. The people who bought it obviously knew what was going on, but they are trying to sell the story to Netflix or yes. like some house or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did, it's I did it's a hear spooky that. story. That that'd be such. Oh, have you guys heard of the Circleville the Circleville letters too? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I don't know too much about it. It's kind of a similar situation. Because, like, with the watcher, the guy sending letters to the house that he's watching, obviously. But with Circleville, it's something I want to cover on my podcast. But basically, this woman is having an affair. And a bunch of things happen, and they get called out in these letters. And it escalates until, like, someone is almost killed. And I think it was in, like, Kansas. Circleville, Kansas or something. It's insane. Because they start pulling up details from the past. And it is a crazy, crazy story you guys should look into it if you like the watcher the circle the letter writer is another really good one somebody ends up going to prison who never actually wrote the letters 
Uh um, it's like when Nick and I were talking to our friends at the uh, Worst Horror Podcast, and they were talking about the Cooper House in Chino, California, where there's like a a dude that might have done it, but maybe didn't do it, and he's in jail, and it's like a whole conundrum. So conundrums afoot. We are going to <laughs> we are going to trudge on. Right. Um. Right. So they live there. Dog won't go in the house. Listen to the dog, but they don't. Um, and then, like, basically, they wake up the next morning, like, after the first night of being there, like, the parents clearly were like, hey, let's, let's, you know, give the new bed a go. Um, and they're like, oh, why won't the dog shut up? Um, and they're like, never mind, let's just do it. And then that's, you know, what happens. But then they wake up, mom is, like, making coffee in the morning. Um, oh, also within like three hours of being there because all the girls were roughhousing with each other, they discovered that they had a cellar that was boarded up in one of the closets. That's the other thing. Yeah, red okay. flag. Um, so, red flag, especially because it's all old as fuck shit. So you know it's been there for a hot minute and it's all haunted because it was boarded yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like something would be boarded up unless, it, you know, somebody felt like it needed to be. So there's always that. But um so mom wakes up in the morning she comes downstairs she's gonna make coffee she finds husband in the basement just like looking at all the shit and he's like i wonder if any stuff is worth money we have money problems let's drive it home more that we have money problems um and he like is fixing the light bulb so that they can actually go down there and see what they're doing so mom's making coffee youngest daughter comes downstairs and is like Hey, where's the dog? And and she's and the mom's like, I'm gonna go get the dog. Uh, I'm sure she's hungry. And then we have the first screams of the movie because the daughter finds the dog dead outside. Um, R.I.P. Sadie. R.I.P. Mm. Sadie. And like at first, like I know this is a movie, but like to be honest, like it could have just been that because she was refusing to come inside that she like succumbed to the to the cold or something overnight. Um, but that's like probably not what happened in the course of this movie. Like it was probably evil. Especially so, because they talk about how the house is like always way colder than it is outside. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. So, so Sadie was probably better off being outside and not freezing her ass off inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Sadie died. So hashtag. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> hashtag RIP Sadie. Um, and then, like, they start, well, really, it's the mom starts noticing little things. So all the clock stopped at 3.07 a.m. What's up with that? Um, they start feeling how cold it is in the house. And they ask the dad to uh, fix the uh, boiler. Is that what it is? I don't know these things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a homeowner. But, you know, I'll never be a homeowner. I'm a millennial. Um, literally uh, thanks yeah <laughs> thanks um thanks everybody um thanks baby boomers yeah uh yeah so so it's getting it's really cold everyone's so cold um they start smelling gross things um like they're describing them as like wet dead meat like rotting type of smells yeah That's what all the maybe... boys say about me Ooh. Oh, <laughs> maybe it's because you're a demon <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, you no. know you can ask my ex my ex can't confirm that for you so mm. i mean sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what else? So, so the the youngest child found this. Uh, I guess it's like a music box slash Jack in the Box combo. Um, but she is like telling her mom, like, if you wind it up and look in the mirror and look behind you, you'll see my friend Rory, um, which is like creepy and all that. Um, so imaginary friend Rory is happening with creepy music box. Um, the youngest daughter apparently has a history of sleepwalking because what movie that involves paranormal activity doesn't have a child that sleepwalks nowadays. Um, but she's specifically going into the oldest daughter's room and smacking her head against this wardrobe that was already there when they moved in. So it's like, is she trying to get in there or something trying to get out? Um, and I think she's the, just trying to go to Narnia. I think she's just trying to go to, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of basically what she's doing. Like, it, yeah, basically. Um, and then mom is getting bruises all over the place. She goes to the doctor. They give her iron because they think she has iron deficiency. Uh, like, probably, like, iron deficient anemia, which, like, okay, it's the 70s. That actually makes total sense from a medical standpoint. Ding. Um, check. Check that off the list. But, um, like, bruises all over the place. Like, big bruises all over the place. So, like, hmm, what's going on there? Um, and then I think, like, the first big thing that happens is mom wakes up in the middle of the night. And there's, like, all this noise happening. And um, big boom, boom crashes. And... Um, all of the family photos fall off the wall and glasses everywhere. And it's like, whoa, that's weird. Um, and then the youngest daughter's sleepwalking again while the dad's away doing his trucker thing. And the oldest daughter's like, you could just sleep with me tonight. And then even though the youngest daughter's in bed, now the doors are still smacking and making noise. And I guess that's the first time that we see um, Bathsheba, who's yes. like supposed to be the demon in this movie, and she like jumps on the oldest daughter and like does that like invisible wrestling thing where nobody else can see her. Um, and then there's like the night where everybody's like, "No, this is this is something fucking weird is happening." Oh no, wait, no, all this happens on the same night. So, right, okay, wait. So back up a hot second. So everything falls <laughs> off. Everything falls off the wall. Mom's like, what the fuck's going on? Because she's hearing noises. So she goes downstairs because now she's like, number one, like, I got to pick up these pictures. Like, what's going on? But then, number two. What is that? That would be the Cleveland National Air Show that has been going on for the last oh. four fucking days. I thought it was I thought it was thunder for a second. I was um, like, Ooh. no, that is an F sixteen fighter bomber. Well, either way, that gave us some um, good ambiance. I'm gonna leave it. Spooky. Yeah, it why spooky. not? I'm leaving it. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So, so it was basically it was the ghost telling us to get on with this story. So. Ooh, lady's like, hurry the fuck up. Like, hurry the fuck up. I know my story. You're not telling it well. Um, <laughs> so she goes downstairs. She goes in the basement like a dumbo. Um, and then all the doors get locked behind her. And so she's literally stuck in the basement now. Which um, is my worst nightmare. 
Worst nightmare. Yeah, it's pretty like it's like pretty not a good situation, right? Pretty not good. <laughs> I would just lay down and fucking die. I'd be like, this uh, is it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, she's, she's, she's fighting harder than I think I would. I think I would be sitting there, like, thinking about, like, what I can do slash what might happen. That, um, I would just be like, you know what? I've had a good life. It's fine. I yeah. have so much student loan debt that, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Bathsheba, like, do me the favor. That I is, just, I want to lay down is, and weigh uh, the pros and cons of giving up. Yeah. But, yeah, student loans, that, that, that's always, that's always a good argument, like, hashtag our generation. Woo! Exactly, right? Um, so, yeah, so now while mom is locked in the basement, that's when Bathsheba's like, I'm gonna wrestle with you, bitch. So she's bitching, uh, wrestling with the daughter, um. And the youngest daughter's like, holy shit. And then, of course, like, right on time, the dad comes home and gets mom out of the basement. Um, but, like, also while she's in the basement, we I guess we don't know which ghost it is, but I guess it could be Bathsheba. But, like, maybe it's one of the kid ghosts. Um, but they play the clap game with her, hide and clap game with her. And there's Yeah, like I don't. I think that probably would have been, like, one of the kid ghosts because right? all, all the girls are playing at the yeah. same time and it probably wanted to feel included oh so and yeah. aren't aren't kid games like inherently creepy on their own oh. like, ring, ring around the rosy yeah exactly prime example i mean aren't kids in general just inherently creepy on their own though like yes that is fair that is yeah. fair um there's a whole reddit about that uh, that i'm sure tori mm-hmm. knows as a um reddit peruser in her spare time i have gotten into reddit and let me tell you something uh, I've seen some fucked up shit, and like, wow, Reddit, wow. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Reddit for those same reasons. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right, so th- so then they're like, the fuck is going on, right? At the same time, the Warrens are finishing up bringing Annabelle home um, from the two nurses that the so one of them got Annabelle as. A birthday gift. Um, so they're locking, yeah. locking Annabelle up, and then they get called to one case, which ends up just being like squeaky floorboards and like pipes and shit. Um, and then they go to give a talk at some Rhode Island college situation. Um, and Carolyn, the mom, goes. And Easter egg, if you're looking hard enough. That was right over my fucking house. Wow. Okay, listen here, planes. You are being really, really fucking rude. Hey, Stop it. <laughs> hey, keep it down out there. <laughs> yeah, you tell them. I'm Scream telling them. Down. You take your thousand miles an hour and go somewhere else. Yeah, shove that up your ass and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, sit on that and spin. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, <laughs> so anyway, Easter egg. If you're looking... Oh. They pan the audience, and in the first row is, like, the actual Lorraine Warren. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. She was sitting there looking, like, all, like, oh, I'm paying attention to what these people are saying. One of them is playing me. This is weird. Um, And then Carolyn's in the audience. Um, You know, she's riveted by what's going on. And then she... Uh, I guess she knew somebody at the college because somebody at the college ended up uh, introducing them in the parking lot and she's like you have to come to my house like please you have to come investigate my house and they're like eh I don't know and then she's like no you don't understand like shit is real 
Everything smells really bad all yeah. the time. <laughs> like shit, it, shit is so real. I think we live in a meat locker. Um, <laughs> and none uh, of it's fresh. Meat locker doesn't work. Um, so, so Lorraine is like, okay, fine. Like my mommy instincts are kicking in and like, I feel bad because you're a mom and I'm a mom um, and whatever. At least that's what the, the movie says. Um and uh, Ed Warren is all like, no, but she like, you can't, are you sure? Like, are you sure you can go on another investigation, like, quote, so soon? And then that's that when we find out that a couple months ago, they were in the middle of an exorcism somewhere in um, Europe, I believe, or Spain. No, uh, the guy, no, I think they were homebound. Like, I think the guy, he said he was a French Canadian farmer. But we come to find out later on in the series that it's actually the dude from The Nun. So Right. So did, <laughs> they, go, did they go to him or did he come to them? We That's don't know. The question. Jury's out. Anyway, so they're doing the exorcism on him and in the middle of it, the guy that's being exercised looks Lorraine like straight in the face and she gets some type of vision from the demon being an asshole. Um <laughs> And she, like, completely just, like, has a breakdown and is, like, screaming in fetal position on the floor and, like, don't touch me. Like, ah, this is bad. Um, and then, of course, we come to find out that the demon inside of the farmer is Valak, the nun. And the nun, Valak, has, like, this very, like, bitchy... Uh, vendetta against Lorraine for some reason, but that is dealt with in other movies. So anyway, um, she's like, nah, bitch, we're a team. I'm coming with you. So she does. And they go. Um, And at first they kind of set it up like, oh, these people are just really super concerned and scared, but it's not real. But then it's like, surprise, the whole time Lorraine has been seeing things and that's why their faces look the way they did. They were actually concerned and not just like, Oh, you're crazy. Um, So Lorraine explains to Carolyn and Roger that from the moment she walked into the house, she saw this dark force that was latching onto the backs of the entire family. It's feeding off of their energy, blah, 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 blah. Um, Oh, like student loans. Yeah, <laughs> just like student loans. I am possessed by my student loans. No, I don't. That doesn't sound good. I mean, I'm, it's factual. I'm certainly harassed by my student loans. <laughs> yeah, that is the same. <laughs> I'm feeling very attacked. I'm feeling super attacked by my student loans. Um, every month, it's like, oh, you got, you just got paid. Let me take your money. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So they're like, okay, we're going to do an investigation. We can't... So, like, Lorraine is like, we should really just get your house exercised and cleansed, but in order to do that, we need to get permission from the church, so we have to collect evidence. So they come in with their little crew, and they set up all the stuff, um, and at first it's like, the ghosts are being bitches, and they're like, no, we don't perform on demand. Um, And then they're like, ha, lol, never mind, we want to fuck with you. So... Then all the shit starts happening. Um, they get doors closing, dark figures. The daughter, the youngest daughter, there's like, you know, like the floating globe bodies all around her when she goes upstairs in this trance like state, and then nobody can find her because uh, her 
invisible friend Rory, who we come to find out is the ghost of a little boy that lived there, showed her his like special hiding place, which is basically like Narnia behind the wardrobe. Mm. Like it's, the, it's it, literally in... <laughs> a crawl space. Yeah, it's like in the wall. Um, and then once that happens, Lorraine, who apparently is as tiny as a eight-year-old or something, is able to fit into that crawl space in the wall. And we discover that the music box that um, the the youngest daughter has was actually a possession of Rory's um, because there's like, you know, the, the dust ring that perfectly matches the shape of the music box. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then while she's in there, she's like, what is this rope? Let me pull on it. <laughs> and then um, she pulls on it and it's like, oh shit, there was a noose at the end. And then the whole wall collapses and she like falls into the inner workings of the house. So so when she pulled up that noose, um, it had been a, like a long time since I actually watched this and paid attention to it other than like, in, like just watching it to enjoy it. And I was like, uh-huh. fuck fuck, if there's a skeleton attached to that, I don't know what the fuck I would do My God. other than just lay down and die. She's like, that's it. That would have been, like, even, like, further high-octane scares, but that's, that's not what, what happened. James Wan, um, you dropped the ball. I you mean... Ha- you had an a- opportunity and you blew it. But, like, he still gets, like, a 99.5 because it's, like, oh, pretty yeah. Um I know for a fact the one daughter actually said that this is a work of art and not a work of fiction after seeing it. So oh, really? cuz I yes. feel like a lot of the a lot of the daughters that's not that daughter said it was pretty accurate but we'll, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, one Andrea Perone wrote I believe three self-published books on it. Yes. So she's a hardcore believer in it but then there is another one I can't remember which uh, sister it is. She's like this is all bullshit. Is so, it April? Because she was the I, oldest? It's either, it was either the oldest or one of the youngest. <laughs> I cannot remember. Which, like, it's so hard to put that into perspective, too, because, like, the one kid is, like, probably about the age that kids are experiencing the paranormal and believing it to not be what it is, and they just think it's an extension of reality. Mm-hmm. And the other one is way too old to actually give a shit. She's a teenager. She thinks it's all hogwash anyway yeah so yeah so um so they live very different realities i guess in a way super duper different realities um and like yeah like you know kids are just they're like oh cool things are happening like they're not as phased as adults that are like this is the real world and nothing else can happen um so but we'll get into that and your theory about ghosts But so Lorraine falls basically straight into the basement um, and she is visited by the ghost of Rory's mother, who she explains through basically like um, dramatic reenactment (laughs) um, that she was possessed by Bathsheba and Bathsheba made her do it. And what she had done was kill Rory, her son. And then because she couldn't deal with it, she then hung herself in the basement. That's what that noose was. Um, And then Lorraine is like, oh, my God, I understand now. I understand everything because I'm Lorraine Warren. Um, Of course, that's just how it goes. So meanwhile, while all this is happening, Ed is like smacking 
all of the walls being like, are you in there, Lorraine? Are you in there? Um, um, so she eventually runs upstairs. Um, important to note that her locket with her daughter's picture and it got ripped off by probably was Bathsheba. And she's like, oh, my God, I understand now. She possesses the mom to get to the children. And that's like her tagline now for the rest of the movie. She possesses the mom to get to the children. But so now Bathsheba's like, fucking bitch, don't tell everybody my shtick. Like, shut up. So then she's like, I'm going to show you. And she pulls on one of the older daughter's hair and starts swinging her like all over the house. And the way that they get it to stop is Lorraine gets a pair of scissors and it's like, I'm going to give you a new haircut, girl. Sorry. Um, and so now they're like, oh, shit, did we get that on tape? And and uh, they're like film crew and like whatever. It's like, yeah, we did. Um, and they're like, cool, we got it. Show <laughs> over. Sounds great. Pack <laughs> it in. So, so they go to their priest. And of course, because it's the Catholic Church, there's like all these, you know, loopholes and things to jump over and go through. And they're like, well, technically, this family is not a member of the church and their children have never been baptized. So, like, I don't know if I could get it approved for um, an exorcism. And they're like, bitch, please look at this motherfucking tape. Okay, shit's happening. They need an exorcism real bad. Um, and he's like, fine, I guess I like you guys. Like, I'll push it through myself. I can see what I can do. <laughs> um, and they're like, cool. So then um, the, the family goes to a motel. And they're staying there now because everything is all fucked up in the house. And they're like, this is scary. We can't be here anymore. And um, the Warrens, like, I guess they go home. But then, they like, do. They do they, then they stay there for, like, five seconds and turn back around because, um, was it one of the, one of the daughters calls them? Because the, no, I guess it's the dad. Because, no, 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 no. Okay, wait, back up. The dad gets to the motel and the two of the daughters are like, mom took, um what is it christine and cindy and 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 we don't know where they went and he's like oh shit so he calls the warrants and and then lorraine's like oh shit i know they probably went back to the house because um she possesses the mob to get to the children so she must be possessed um so they go to the house and the police show up and the warrants are there and dad gets there and they're able to luckily get Christine, who's like the second youngest daughter, away from the mom before she's about to stab her in the neck with scissors in the basement. Um, but nobody can find Cindy. And we're like, where the hell is Cindy? So the Asian guy that's like, I guess their camera operator is like looking for Cindy everywhere. And I forget, I forgot where they found her. So the she's whole under the house. Well, right. <laughs> so I was like, duh, she's in the fucking place that Rory showed her. Like, hello, just go the fuck upstairs. So I'm like screaming at this guy the whole time, like, go upstairs. And then and then that's not where Cindy was. So I apologize to him. Um, so basically, you know, mom's in the basement. She's like all demonified. She's like 100% possessed right now. But Bathsheba's like, fuck everybody. I want the kids. Um, and 
they basically tackle her down, cover her with the sheet, which I don't think was completely necessary, but then, like, it worked in with all of the special effects, so whatever. There was they... also so much blood on that sheet compared to what her face looked like. Yeah. Yeah, there was, actually. She was, she was like, coughing up blood. It's a very something. violent nosebleed. Yeah. Um, so they tie her into the chair, and then because the priest hadn't actually... Um, approved well i guess the vatican hadn't approved the exorcism yet um ed warren's like well i guess i gotta do it you know i mean well i mean you know ed yeah yeah well he's a demonologist he can do it right totally same thing as a priest and and lorraine's like yeah you can do it god brought us together for this but ed's like you can't be here because of what just happened and lorraine's like ed I got this. I got to be here for you, like to support you and doing this thing you shouldn't be doing. Um, but we'll get into that more after we finish the description of the movie. Um, so essentially he performs a exorcism on the mom and Bathsheba's like, shut the fuck up. This is my woman now. Um, but mom is all like, you know, fighting for her life. And then the camera guy is like, oh my god, I found Cindy. She's under the house. <laughs> um, As he's like chopping up the fucking like kitchen yeah. floor. I mean, she I got... would be furious. Like, I guess, like, she, she, how did she get there? Maybe she did go through her like little secret Rory space or because it seemed like he had found like loose floorboards. Like, maybe she just lifted up some loose floorboards, which he could have done as well instead of destroying their entire kitchen floor. <laughs> Um, I don't think so. She was little. I don't think she would have had the manpower to do it. So she probably snaked through, like Bathsheba did, through that like tunnel crawl space maze. Yeah, right. So then, so then Bathsheba's like, "Oh, they found the child. I'm gonna get the child." So yeah, she does this like demonic snaking, like acrobatics that are not appropriate for this middle-aged woman's body, but like she's moving really fast, like all demons do in movies. Um, and she's like about to kill the daughter. And then Lorraine basically does her like medium thing where she puts her hand on her head and is like, remember the day at the beach, it was so happy. You don't want to lose your family. And Ed Warren is basically just like screaming at the dad to scream at his wife to be like, we love you and like, don't do it. Um, and eventually the mom, Carolyn, is able to fend off Bathsheba and she vomits up whatever is left in her body of the goop and stuff. Um, demon tar. Demon tar. Disgusting. Yeah. But, like, they never really, like, so then where did Bathsheba go? Was Bathsheba completely ridded from the house? Like, I don't, I don't know. But doesn't matter because the family is all happy hunky-dory now so they leave um and uh i guess they go on with their life right like that's it um and like you assumingly they move out um and then Bathsheba i think this happens before the end but Bathsheba is also like Lorraine don't come and like try to get up in this biz like this is my shit so she threatens their daughter as well i think it's after that they go home and the daughter is sleeping and she's woken up and then she goes into the study 
and there's the rocking chair that's rocking and it's who we believe is Bathsheba sitting in the chair with Annabelle who like had it who let Annabelle out of her cage <laughs> um I guess Bathsheba did um and then they break into the room just before the chair hits their daughter and then I think that's it right pretty much I mean mm-hmm. I think that happened when they went home and yeah yeah, was Annabelle that, or Bathsheba that. threw that chair at poor little Judy who never did anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I got that mixed up. But regardless, so lots of paranormal activity. All of it is very cool. And um, I mean, if you for the when you see it the first time, very like gross and shocking. But the one thing I left out on purpose is during the movie, Lorraine does all of this research on the property. Um and I figured we would leave that to last so then we can jump right into the facts versus the film. But yes. so in the movie, Lorraine basically, you know, does as much uh, research as she can in the 70s. <coughs> and they find out that um, this family basically owned all of the land that not only the Perone's house is on, but there's like other properties across the lake and close to it. So they had a lot of land and the owners were this guy and his wife was Bathsheba. Their last name, uh, you know, I don't remember, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, And Bathsheba was essentially supposed to be not a descendant, but somehow related to the Salem witches. So she was a devil worshiper and Bathsheba has a child with her husband who then a week after birth, she um, sacrifices to Satan and the husband finds out. And then I guess even though she's a Satan worshiper, she's like, I mean, not so much out of guilt, but she then hangs herself from the tree in the backyard, the creepy one that everybody's like, it's so creepy. Um, and her parting words are like, you know, hail Satan or whatever. And she hangs herself. Um, but what she says right before she dies is she curses anyone that uh, tries to take her land from her. So what we find out is that there's all these other families who have lived not just in this house that the Perones live in, but on other parts of what was their property. Um, And all of them have, like, disappeared or died in mysterious ways or killed themselves. Um, And so Lorraine figures out this thing that Bathsheba is still there. And she inhabits the, the, the mom to get to the children. She gets the mom to kill the children. And then the mom kills themselves. Um, So that's what she was trying to do with Carolyn. Um, and uh, I guess that's kind of it in terms of the history that they go into in the movie. Um, am I missing anything? Does anybody think? No, I don't think so. That's pretty comprehensive coverage of this film. So. Okay. So I, I just talked a whole lot. So that's I'll, okay. That's that. And that is the end of this movie. Do you want to read it now? Or do you want to read it later? Are we going to read it in this series? I don't think we ever talked about that. We don't really have to read it. I mean, this is a good movie. Yeah, um, we can rate it afterwards because I feel like the research that Tori has done could also impact our rating. That is true. So let's do that. All right. So 
we have talked about the film. Now let's talk about the facts. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So we'll start with a little bit of background on the Warren. So, I mean, I assume everybody who listens to you guys knows about Ed and Lorraine Warren. But in case you don't, they were a happy little married uh, couple. They met when they were both 16 years old. Ed was actually working as a, um, like a valet at a movie theater. He was an usher. He helped you find your seat. And that's when Ed and Lorraine met. He helped her find her seat in a movie theater, which is super cute. Because, like, I can just see him in his little usher's uniform. Um, They were seeing each other. They lived in the same town. But she went to an old girl's, I believe, Catholic school. And he, once he turned 17, he enlisted in the Navy. And um, he went off to the Navy. His ship almost sinks. He comes back on, like, a survivor's leave where they can have a little time to, like, recoup and reset before they go back out. And he and Lorraine ended up getting married on his survivor's leave. They do have the one daughter. That's the only children they have. Um, Lorraine considers herself to be a medium. And Ed was a demonologist, lead Mm -hmm. investigator. He was also a police officer at one time. He went to art school and he dropped out of art school. He was a painter. And through Ed's painting is how they got into studying the paranormal. They had always been fascinated. Ed claims he grew up in a haunted home. And um, he would go out to the countryside and he'd paint these houses. And he'd give the painting to the owner of the house as a way to be able to, like, come in and look around their house. Um, Ed and Lorraine never once ever charged anybody for investigating. They always did it for free. So any money they made came from later on in, like, the books and the movies and all of that kind of thing. Um, So the Conjuring House is really, really interesting because there's a lot of misinformation out there on it. Now, the movie does do a good job portraying the time frame. The family moves into the original house in, I believe it's 1971 in the Mm -hmm. winter in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Yeah, it's like like 1970 or 1971. Yeah, and it is, um, yeah, and they've got the names right. It's Roger and Carolyn Perone, and then they do have five daughters. It's Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cynthia, and April. In April, the property itself is about two hundred acres, and it was a bit dilapidated by the time they moved in there. So part of the reason they got it so cheap was that it, it was kind of a fixer-upper. Um, let me see. What else can I tell you about it? Um. They definitely were having, like, the clocks that stop at 3.07 a.m. The family was also woken up around 5.15 every morning to the smell of rotting flesh. The movie does a pretty good job mirroring some of the events that happened within the house. Um, Andrea Perone wrote a book in 2011 about her experiences there. It's called House of Darkness, House of Light. And it's it's her retelling the story. Um Let this big old truck pass. Damn. Out here in Missouri, man, everybody's got these giant dually trucks. Like, why do you need so many wheels on a truck? Anyways. Have you Um, seen that that movie called Cooties with Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson? I don't think I have. Oh, there's a whole whole thing about duallys and how Rain Wilson owns one because he plays a gym teacher, but he can't pronounce dual rear wheel. (laughs) So it's just like a constant slur. But that's all it reminded me of, and I think you should watch it. It's pretty good. I will. Now, and then, of course, 
the Warrens do get involved. And the movie is fairly accurate through how they meet the Warrens, the investigation that happens throughout their house. But where the movie takes a real turn from history is Bathsheba Sherman. Because it is hard to concrete research and prove what was happening in that house. Mm-hmm. You just have what they say. And of course, it's paranormal research. So there's always going to be more evidence proving it fake than it is proving it true. But Bathsheba is our main, it was the main focus of my research. And she was a real person. She was born Bathsheba Thayer in Rhode Island in 1812. She then marries a man named Judson Sherman um, on March 10th, 1844 in Thompson, Connecticut. They got married through a justice of the peace. His name was Vernon Stiles. So this is all concrete. She is a real person. She gets married. She takes the Sherman last name. And she did not live in the house that they had. She lived on the neighboring farm of the family. Now, uh, her husband, her and her husband end up having a son named Herbert. He was the only um, living child. It's said that she gave birth to three other children, but they died in infancy. Which, I mean, it's, it makes sense. It's the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Kids didn't always live. Um, her husband did work, on the, work as a farmer, so she was a farmer's wife. And she stepped into that role of the quintessential housewife. Um, she, her husband ends up dying, and then she later remarries. But she um, raises Herbert to adulthood. He gets married, all of that kind of stuff. Bathsheba, though, does come under some kind of suspicion because it's said that she was in charge of um, watching someone else's child. And that infant, unfortunately, died in her care. Now, it was rumored that she had murdered the child. There, they went through, they say that, um, what was it? It's rumored that she stabbed the infant in the base of its head, like right where your head and your neck meet, with a knitting needle. Oh, you have to support that. I know, right? (laughs) But through their kind of 1800s-style investigation, and she was later brought up on charges of it, nothing stuck. They couldn't prove that she did it. But just because her name was cleared in the court of law... She became local lore. It was rumored that all of her other children had died because she sacrificed them to Satan and that she killed that baby as a sacrifice to keep her young and beautiful forever. Now, that becomes legend. That becomes folklore. She is, everybody thinks she's a witch till the day she dies, even though there's really no proof that she really did it. Um, She does end up living to be an old woman and... She dies. Let me see. I had it when she died. She died as an old woman on May 25th, 1885. So she ends up dying from a uh, bizarre form of paralysis that at the time doctors couldn't figure out what it was. And again, we're not sure now since we're unable to examine her what she died from. But the folklore in the area will tell you that she turned to stone. But she, yeah, but she got sick and she died. Hmm. Um, Her son, Herbert, grew up to be a farmer just like his dad. And he married a woman named Anna in 1881. So she lived a very full life. 
she saw her son grow up. She saw her son get married. But she lived with the stigma of being a witch her whole life. Even though, you know, she never killed any of her children. She, it was rumored she killed the child that she was watching. But there is no proof that Bathsheba was ever involved in any kind of witchcraft, devil worship, anything like that. Um, she never lived on the property. She lived adjacent to the property. And she's actually buried by her other children. So had she murdered her kids, I don't think that they would bury her next to them. But that is, that's essentially the fact verse film on this, is that the Warrens come in and they did do a bit of research on the house. And they did come up with the story of Bathsheba. Now, whether or not the Warrens embellished the details... I think that's up to the listener to decide. But Mm -hmm. Bathsheba, unfortunately, now has become um, quite the scary movie monster. The Warrens' involvement with the Perone family is also something that's really interesting. Um, Reports will tell you that Roger Perone thought all of this was bullshit. He wasn't in the house enough to really experience anything that would have... gave him would give him the heebie-jeebies he would go down to the the cellar to fix the furnace and the heating equipment because that is where it was kept and the house would go cold all the time he chopped that up to it being an old house with old um old heating elements um one thing that is interesting that they seem to leave out of a lot of these telling the stories is that Ed and Lorraine never actually performed the exorcism. Lorraine will, would swear up and down her and her husband would never attempt to do anything like that because they're not a member of a clergy. Lorraine states that they would conduct seances in the house, and that is when the possession of the mother happened. Um, after this seance and Roger was actually home, he forced the Warrens to leave their home And he did not allow them back because he felt that they were feeding details to his wife and kids. And he was worried mostly about his wife's Carolyn and her mental state. So. Totally fair. But also, like, it was the 70s. She probably also could have had, like, uh, like a schizophrenic episode. Like, there's a lot of science behind that, too. So, I mean, and the power of suggestion is really, really an interesting study because you can kind of get a lot of people who are willing to believe to believe whatever you want. Right. I mean, we can't discount what happened in that house because we weren't there. And if so many members of the family are saying something has happened there, there may have been something that happened, but the family after this seance that Roger kicks the Warrens out and doesn't let them back in, um, nothing really happens. They lived in that house until I believe 1980 before they left Um, the current owners of the conjuring house, they've kind of flip flopped on happenings. At one point, the owner, she says something was going on in the household. And I believe Zach Bagans and the uh, ghost hunters taps have been to the conjuring house, but now she'll come and say, nothing has ever happened here. This is all ridiculous. They actually sued. um, Was this Warner brothers? that did this movie. I can't remember. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she actually sues Warner Brothers, I believe, in 2015, because the movie does such a good detailing of, like, her house and where it is. People were showing up to her house. Again, it was, like, risking their privacy and safety and things like that. 
Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's people, kind of the thing. Yeah. People are, if they want to find something, they will find it. That's creepy. But I mean, it's yeah. the same thing with the Amityville house. Um, mm-hmm. they, they changed the address of the Amityville house, but people still find it. It's a very iconic <coughs> horror home. So I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, I've done enough research on the Warrens to where it's like, there's some pretty good documentation that Ed was embellishing details, but it's a compelling, interesting story, regardless of it being fact or fiction, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I personally like the Warrens, so I want to believe that it wasn't all bullshit. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, as Ashley and I have discussed before, like, my opinions on if there is like an afterlife has like wax and waned on and off. And um, <clears throat> I think I do always end up landing on the side of like, there's something probably. Um, and like, I want to believe that Lorraine was a, uh, a sensitive to that. Um but that's also just because I like spooky shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, for me, I would, I don't really believe a lot of what Ed Warren says because I feel like Ed Warren is always in sales mode. If uh-huh. Lorraine is the one coming forward and saying something, she is more credible and genuine to me because she is not the one that's doing the pitch, you know? Yeah. Lorraine will tell like, Lorraine Warren came out and said that she hated the Haunting in Connecticut movie. Hated it. Said it was full of um, factual and errors, things like that. So the fact that she would come out and say that she hates a movie where she's, you know, a case that she studied, it to me gives Lorraine Warren way more credence than it does Ed. Lorraine Warren did actually serve as a consultant on this film. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably why this one follows the case structure a little more closely than some of the other ones do. But I don't know. There's something about Lorraine that I find far more trustworthy than Ed. And that's yeah. kind of my superpower. You can ask uh, Megan. Like, I can snuff out bullshit in people really fast. As long as I don't, like, want to sleep with them or something, I can tell <laughs> who you are really Yeah. Quick. Well, that, that, <laughs> see, see that that's my aggravation here. Because Ed Warren is played by Patrick Wilson, who I have, like, a super crush on. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and... Like, I want to believe that Ed Warren is, like, the character that Patrick Wilson plays, but it's, like, so very clearly, like, not the case. Like, that he was far more, like, bullshitty salesperson in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, the Conjuring movies, like, makes them have, you know, like, this relationship that's, like, so very loving. And, like, yeah, they have their problems, but they love each other so much and da-da-da-da-da. And, like, not that they didn't have a good relationship but like it's just very much like fairy tale affies everything a little bit i mean they did have a very strong marriage they always put each other first before that and i think that they had a very sweet relationship because as soon as they saw each other in that movie theater lorraine said that she knew that was the man she was going to marry and lorraine ed dies in 2006 he ends up having this massive stroke i believe a year or two prior and lorraine uh, retires from a lot of the ghost hunting paranormal investigation so she can be the one that stays home and takes care of ed and she loved him so deeply until the day he died and then in 2006 once he passes lorraine never sees another man she doesn't date anymore because ed was the only man for her 
So I believe that they do show their relationship in a fairly accurate light. They did love each other above everything. So I think that is a good thing about the movies. Yeah. Well, then I I love that. I I just wanted... I just wanted the Ed Warren character that is the Patrick Wilson Ed Warren. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted of, him to be that guy. Yeah, It's kind of disappointing, though, when you do a little bit of research and you look at it. Because one thing I do really try to do when I research this is be as unbiased as I can. And that gets me in trouble sometimes because, uh, you know, family members listen to my podcast who are involved in some of these cases and they don't like what they hear. But I try to be as unbiased and show as much of the people as I can. And for me, I feel like Ed Warren found a niche and he worked it. Um, For the haunting in Connecticut story, he was working with an author on a book and the writer of the book was like, he went into the house, he met the people, they were experiencing these things together. And the author goes to Ed Warren and he goes, hey, I don't think anything paranormal is going on here. And Ed tells the writer, it's fine. They're crazy. Don't listen to them. You've got enough. Just fill in the gaps. Make it scary. So mm. it is It is disappointing when you kind of get to realize that Ed Warren was really just kind of looking to make a dollar. But I do think that Lorraine was very genuine and she wanted to investigate. And she believed at least in herself and her abilities. And she did mm-hmm. try to help people. I the motherly aspect that comes across screen from Lorraine Warren is very much who Lorraine Warren was as a person. Which is not surprising. I mean, I feel like above all else, she was a family person. So that part of her is way more apt to appealing to the audience versus Mm -hmm. like, she's more personable than Ed. Ed was a businessman. And what's really interesting is when you get on their website, um, warrens.net, There's a whole thing about everything Ed has ever done, but there's just this like blurb about Lorraine. And it is because aside from, you know, the paranormal research and the Warren Museum of the Occult and everything, she was first and foremost a mother. She raised her daughter. And so she wasn't out being a Navy sailor. She wasn't out being a police officer. She wasn't out being an artist traveling around the countryside painting pictures. She was raising their daughter. And that's what was her pride and joy. And that was what took um, first and foremost in her life was being a mother. And I feel like they didn't really dive so deep into doing the traveling paranormal show, basically, until Judy was much older. Yeah, that's true, because they definitely wanted to give... They were out doing things, and they mostly stayed on the East Coast when Judy was little, so that they were never far from home, which shows that, you know, Lorraine was always first and foremost a mother. And that is in the cases where she's... in the movie when she's deciding whether or not to take this case and she considers the fact that it's a mother with children in the household that is exactly how Lorraine Warren would kind of prioritize her cases like are there children involved so I mean Amityville Horror look at that mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah so I don't know what case they're going to end up doing for the third one but I'm going to assume it's not going to be Amityville Horror but mm-hmm. I, I don't know I mean the Amityville one is really controversial for the Warrens, too, because they were, my understanding is they were there, same with the Enfield Portergeist, they were only there for a day. And oh. with the Amity, yeah, with the, and the, uh, it's really interesting with the Enfield Poltergeist is that the lead investigator in Britain who is working the Enfield Poltergeist case will tell you that the Warrens came in and, um, he got the same sales pitch from Ed that everybody would get. 
And he said that they were there for a little while. They took some recordings and then they left. And the same thing goes for Amityville Horror, the Amityville house. They were, were actually in the house for, I believe, a day. And they were one of two or three paranormal teams that were investigating that house at that time. That's a lot of in and out, too. So there's, there also could have been some discrepancies in, mm-hmm. in findings based on the amount of traffic. It's like having a crime scene that's contaminated. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, I do know for a fact, though, that based on, like, the documents for the actual Perone home prior to them moving in, uh, that Andrea Perone suggested that, like, spirits from the family, like, prior families never left because there were eight generations of people that lived there. Right, yeah. And you know what? In the 1800s and you know, forward until like 19, early 1900s, and then way, way back, people died at homes. Right. They didn't, they didn't go leave. to the hospital. Yeah. Right. I mean, children were born at home. People got sick. People got hurt. People died at home. So the fact that there could be a lot of deaths on a property really isn't that surprising. It's scary as shit when you think about it. Like someone has probably died everywhere. And oh, that's absolutely. so scary. But it's not super uncommon. No. Actually, yeah. I mean, like, they used to have funerals in homes. That's where the term funeral home came from. Yeah, they would set it up in the front room and people would come and view the body. Yeah, so it's not entirely out of the question that there could be a lot of death. And I do believe that there is energy that's left over from when someone dies, like, Especially if it's a tragic death, if it's something that was an accident or, you know, violent, there could be some kind of residual energy that gets left in the place and it manifests in some form. Do I think it's Bathsheba Sherman that's causing the paranormal activity in that home? No, I think Bathsheba Sherman is unfortunately a poor woman with a bad reputation that got messed up in something. Yeah, just and her name, just like like if you're like, oh, like this this woman's a witch, like Bathsheba is just like such a good witch name. That was, Bathsheba you know... is a biblical name. Oh well, man, yeah, I don't watch that much. She was. Okay. <coughs> I totally had a witch. Here. Totally she was witch. Totally a witch. Man, it's from the Bible. Okay, it's the Pool of Bathsheba. Um. Hang on. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Because it's a pool and name relationship to the biblical Jesus. Ooh, as opposed to unbiblical Jesus? <laughs> yeah, it's like a healing pool, I believe. Peculiar, curiouser, and curiouser. Yeah, um, John 5 in the New King James Version, a man healed at the pool of Bathsheba. So Bathsheba is a biblical name, and it is a pool of water in Jerusalem that would have healing powers for people. So that's where the name comes from. Hmm. So not evil. (laughs) Not, I mean, I guess. (laughs) Depends on your take on religion, I think. But yeah. Mm. Alrighty. Do you yeah. want to rate this based on both research and film quality? Yes. Okay. Is what I would like to do. Tori, would you like to take the lead as you were the guest? 
Well, I would give this film, and uh, you do how many pumpkins? Five pumpkins? Five. I would give this film four pumpkins, and I'm only not giving it five pumpkins because it does take that sharp turn and can potentially slander a poor dead woman. Um, But I don't know. It's a really good scary movie, and it's, you know, I'm just missing the research part of it. Like, they needed to have a bad guy, and here's a person that was accused of murder, so we'll make them the bad guy is how I felt like they did it. But overall, it's a great start to the Conjuring series, the Conjuring universe. You know, I think it's a really, really interesting, scary, good for if you do 31 Days of Horror like I do, great October 1st movie. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. This, this film is a very fall film. I think overall, I'm still going to give it like a, like a, like, okay, so I probably would have given this a five just because... I don't know. There's something about this series that I just like really super duper vibe with very well, but I am going to give it like a, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a 4.5 because, um, like I want to believe everything the way that it happens in the movies is the right way, but I know it's not. So I can't give it a five. So I'm going to give it a (laughs) 4.5. That's fair. I feel like it's a fair assessment. Um, I'm also going to give it a 4.5 based on um, film creativity, but also not a perfect score because Ed Warren is a jackal. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, that's, yeah, unfortunate. Poor unfortunate Ed Warren. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, so that's a we're giving it like a you know like a pretty high score it's like a basically like 87 percent um that's a good one i think it's deserved yeah no i think it's very much deserved i don't know let's see what um what does all the things give it let's go to the googles and i love what's her name vera how do you say oh my gosh farminga yes she is a phenomenal actress. Yeah. I loved her in Bates Motel. Right? Like, she's one of those actresses. I think Ashley and I were having this conversation. Like, I love her. She is gorgeous. And she is very talented. And there's just, like, so many good actresses that fly under the radar and never fully, like, get all of the credit they deserve. Like, luckily, there's enough jobs to go around that, like, you know, if this is your thing and, you know, other people don't want to be in horror stuff, but that's their thing. Like, everybody gets work. But, like, mm-hmm. I mean, in general, I feel like horror movie actresses don't get as much credit as they should. But, like... I mean, her whole family is, like, a film dynasty. Her sister is on American Horror Story. Yeah, oh, really? I forgot yeah. about that. Tasia from... Uh, she's the daughter in Murder House. Season oh! And in, yeah. and in Coven. And in Coven. And you know what? I didn't realize that they were sisters. I thought it was mother daughter, but uh, no, she just she. It's like um, you and your sisters. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those big giant age different things, and they super look alike too. Yeah, I was like, that's why I thought they were mother and daughter. I was like, they mm. look so much alike. They're both so pretty, and now I'm sisters. Well, now I know. Did not know. <laughs> so yeah, so we gave it an eighty-seven. IMDb gave it a seven point five. So you know, like whatever. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an eighty-five. So we're basically on par with them. Um, but ninety-two percent of Google users like this movie. So that's 
a very large amount. Um, it was so excellent. I saw it's it. It's a good movie. Yeah. I saw it at the drive-in when it came out, like theatrically, and I was like, "Fuck, I have to pee real bad," but it's not happening. Like, I'm not going <laughs> anywhere by myself for months. It was like yeah. watching Hereditary, and I was, and oh, still I am just, terrified of Tony Collette. Oh my gosh! I just saw that movie literally last week. I've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Um, one of the most fantastic films I've ever... I would put it on par with The Witch. Like, that's how much I love that movie. Listen, and The Witch I got, is my all-time favorite. I got into a full-on argument with my wife's friend because she tried to tell me that Hereditary was terrible. And I said, bitch, oh. where? <laughs> bitch, no. where? Oh, my God. There's something about that silent, creeping horror. I don't like don't it, but appreciate. I love it. I, I love it, but I don't like it. it. Because you know what? The devil really is in the details in all of these movies. Where, like, the witch, one of the things that I always harken back to with the witch is when they're leaving town and everybody goes forward, but she looks back at the town. She's the only member of the family that looks back. And that's so telling for how the it rest is of now. the movie goes. I mean, I've only seen it one time because I saw oh. it in theaters and I was like son of a bitch and I was angry about it because like it's not what I was expecting and yeah. I was like the language is very difficult to grasp and you have to pay attention it's not a movie that you can lay there and fuck with your phone on and that's the same thing with hereditary you can't lay on the couch and fuck with your phone no to the movie you have no. to pay attention and people yeah. don't like that now no, that's the, yeah, no, that's unfortunate, but it's very true. But yeah, like, honestly, like, Tony Collette could do anything, and I will always love her. There's, like, there's that movie coming out in, like, November, I think. Um, I think it's called, like, Knives Out or something, but it's yes. a murder mystery. Ooh, and with our Tony- Lord and Savior, Jamie Lee Curtis. I, yes, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis with the fucking badass haircut and Tony Collette are in the same movie, and I'm very excited about it. So it sounds and- like I can handle that. Oh, it sounds like, Nicholas, you'll have to come out and visit so we can go see it together. Except they'll kick us out because we'll just be the whole time we'll be like, ah! I know, I don't care. They can try and kick me out. I'd be like, you're 16, what are you going to do? Yeah, like, also, like, shut up. Like, you don't even... Like, can you you name any other movie that any of the people that you're watching on screen right now have actually been in? And, um, and, like, uh, Chris, uh, what's-his-name being Captain America doesn't count. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. No, uh, yeah. yeah, that guy. Chris, Chris Evans. Pine, yeah. Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. It's too yeah. many Chris's. That's, um, that's, yeah. that's a good vine, too. Oh, yeah. Ask me what kind of trade that is. It's a Chris Pine. Cory, <laughs> um, what's your favorite vine? Uh, my favorite vine is uh, I have several, but the one that pops in my head all of the time is a little girl where there's all of like the ducks or the geese. Oh, yeah. She's like, look at all those chickens. It just cracks me up. I'm pretty, pretty sure I quote that regularly. So that's She's fine. so confident in the fact that they're all chickens. And it's like that I identify so hard she was, with that. She's just really excited. She was like, wow, look at all these chickens, you know? Look at all those chickens. Um, Nick, what's your favorite vine? Uh, as of late, I feel like it's probably... Um, uh, you know the um, the mom that she smacks the two uh, baking trays together. Yes, <laughs> but it's it's the it's the one where it's the mix with uh, "Worth It" by um, uh, what's it called uh, Fifth Harmony. Yes, it's that one. 
Um, one of okay, so like one of my favorite ones is "Hi, my name is Trey," because <laughs> I quote that regularly. But also, I spilled lipstick in your Valentino white bag. <laughs> in my Valentino white bag, I love that one. She's like, yeah. what, what, what? It's like, okay, like shut up, lady. Um, and also, then, like, that lady that's like smacking the radio when Nicki Minaj comes on. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like Nicki Minaj is always a big. Oh, yes. I want to go to the beach. Beach. Yeah. Nicki Minaj. And Not then. Good. I don't know why the guy that does the hey yo what's up is your boy skinny penis. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This is why we don't get work done because we have to sit on our couches respectively and just watch vines because being an adult is way too difficult and people don't understand why I'm so obsessed with vines because it allows me to shut off. Yeah, sometimes you need a digital lobotomy just for like five minutes. It's like totally. That's, that's what a TikTok cringe compilation is. A digital yeah, lobotomy. And- Fuck both of you guys because I listen to your show and you guys are talking about TikTok cringe. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? So I get on YouTube. Only thing I do now is TikTok uh, videos. Yeah, that happens. Um, my the- new favorite one though is like this couple and they're in the bedroom, like their kids' room, and there's like a um, double deck. What do you call those? Bunk beds. Mm-hmm. And a double decker. Yeah, yeah, double decker <laughs> bed. Like what the fuck? Um, and she's making a TikTok video where she jumps up and like wraps her arms and her legs around her man but it shows the baby in the background just jumping off of the top bunk and then like <laughs> landing on its neck and doing a flip oh my god oh no so funny. I, did see, I did see that one <laughs> i think oh, i sent no. it to you ashley it's so, oh, i saw it on you twitter did. You and did. i died laughing oh my god no the baby oh. just full on cobras. Like it is so bad. Oh, no. full full scorpion. Um oh. I also really like the compilations that it's like TikTok compilations that have vine energy because those are always good too. Oh yep. Yep. Um I will say that I did not realize how cringy it is when guys bite their lip until oh I God. started watching TikTok videos. Yeah. Uh Tori, thank you so much for hanging out with us as always. Yeah. I'm Hi. very excited. I'm so excited for this. I hope everybody likes it because th- this is like such like geeky nonsense that I love. I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't care if people like it. I like it, and that's good enough for me. Well, right, yeah. Um, Plus, it's like hanging out with my friends, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, and and then it forces us to watch Halloweeny movies, so that's okay. Uh, consider me forced. Yeah. Okie dokes. Well, um, oh, I guess we have to sign off. <laughs> oh, before we sign off, Tori, plug your shit, please. Oh, okay. Um, if you guys want to check out my podcast, it's full of true crime, paranormal, cryptids, aliens, cults, conspiracy theories, all of that good spooky shit. Um, you can find me at Toil and Trouble Podcast. We're everywhere you listen to podcasts. We are online on Twitter at Toil and Trouble Podcast underscore, I think. I don't fucking know our Twitter. I don't tweet. I'm really, really bad at Twitter. We are on Instagram, which is my baby, um, at Toil and Trouble Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook at Toil and Trouble Podcast. Yes. Thank you yes. so much for hanging out with us. I was very excited and, like, slightly stressed because your ass was literally spending entire Labor Day weekend moving. And you took the time out to hang out with us for an hour. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, for, of course. Thank, anytime. Thank you for being our friend. 
Yeah. This Anyways, is awesome. I like you guys. You're fun. Oh, we like you too. Yay. Yay. We like you. We like you a lot. Come back anytime you want. You don't even have to ask. Just just dial in and we'll. Yeah. Oh, I probably should. We probably should say on your podcast that my co-host Megan is um, taking a break. She's writing some stories and she is working on merch designs because we are eventually going to launch a merch store soon. So Ashley is going to be filling in and we're going to be dragging Nick along for the ride sometimes too till Nick oh, yeah. is back. Yes. So Yay. If you guys if you guys want to hear your favorite people, you should check out Toil and Trouble. Yeah, because I'm hanging out with one of my favorite people. So it's just going to be fun, not really because Tori shit is depressing AF. So yes, um, we're, we're here to we're here to pump you up. She's here to bring you down. So, you know, what um, I do best. <laughs> Can we just, like, call ourselves, like, the Bipolar Podcast Network? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm, mania. And with mania. that, kids, <laughs> pumpkins, friends, keep on creeping on, and we'll see you next week. Woo! Goodbye! Bye!